It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Greetings, Hoops Heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, June 5th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. Got Game 3 coming up tomorrow, Wednesday. Very excited about that. A lot has been talked about so far about whether or not this series is over. Is it dubs in four? And obviously, you know, I... I did not predict dubs in four. I don't think that you're going to see a Cavs team that's just going to roll over and lay down. You know, this is a professional basketball team trying to win a championship. Obviously, they're very unlikely to do so, but definitely the reports of LeBron's demise have been overblown a little bit. A bit of good news Andre Iguodala is pain free. Coach Kerr said. He's hopeful Andre will be able to play in Game 3. He's officially listed as questionable. And if Andre can play, that would be huge. We'll get into all that and more. You can catch this podcast on iTunes, iOS, Spotify, Google Play, and LockedOnWarriors.com, as well as LockedOnSports.com. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, LockedOnDubs, and LockedOnNBANet. Find me on Twitter at Kojitare, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E. I write for Forbes.com. I've also written for BleachReport.com. If you want to check out all my credentials, you can go to LinkedIn, A-L-I-K-O Carter. And make sure you're listening to the Locked On NBA podcast as well. Every single day covering the finals from every single angle. It's worth your time. It's also voting day here in California. I hope everybody goes out and casts their ballot. There's a lot of important ballot initiatives, some in San Francisco, some here in Oakland, all over the nine counties of the Bay Area. If you're listening and you live here, make sure you take the time to go vote. If you're not registered, make sure you take the time to register so you can vote in November. Not trying to promote any political views here. You know I have in the past, but... Uh, It's just important to get out and have your voice heard, and this is the best way for us to do it. And speaking of voting, the President of the United States disinvited the Philadelphia Eagles from the White House after Tory Smith said basically he wouldn't want to go because if he were to be invited by someone anywhere who had been known to assault women disparage women and minorities, etc. You wouldn't want to go to that event. You wouldn't want to be there. And so that's basically what he said. It's just like, no, if somebody invites me to dinner and I know that they're an asshole, I'm not going to go. Why would I go to the White House? It's the same principle. And uh, Steph, Kerr, LeBron, they were all asked about it. And they all basically said, we're not going. (laughs) Whoever wins, nobody's going to show up. And, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll get disinvited as well if there's any invitation in the first place. Obviously, uh, last year, 
the warriors were disinvited from the White House. So, you know, maybe this year Trump will be like, eh, I'm not even going to invite you the first time. You know, but either way, I don't think it's any sweat off the Warriors' backs, and they still have two more games to win, so we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. If Andre isn't able to go, the question is, do they start JaVale McGee again? Do they start Looney? Looney only played 11 minutes in Game 2. It's a much less Looney-centric rotation this time around, and Jordan Bell getting about equal minutes to Kavan out there as well, but for the most part, what Steve Kerr is doing is staying small. A lot of minutes for the core four. A lot of minutes for Sean Livingston, Nick Young. That's who played the most minutes. And then you've got about 11 minutes each for David West, Kevon Looney, and Jordan Bell. And so the Warriors are trying to essentially, I guess, run the Cavaliers into the ground with crazy shooting and fast break points. And they did get 17 fast break points in game one. Not, you know, not their high watermark. They averaged over 20. But when the game slows down in the playoffs, you understand that it's never going to be the same as far as running up and down the court. People foul harder. People uh, do things to curtail offenses from getting downhill. But yeah, 17 fast break points to 12 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Not a huge disparity, but some of the fast break baskets were just so back-breaking. Some of the ones where Steph was running in transition, one he pulled up from about 28 and kind of like stretched out and watched the ball fall and then kind of did a little shimmy while he was crouching. It was really funny. It was awesome. Uh, and, And that's the kind of fast break points that the Warriors get. They get points that break the backs of their opponents. Three-pointers in the middle of a long run, passes ahead to dunks like the one Curry got to Draymond Green earlier in the game. If the score is precarious for the Cavs and the Warriors come out and bust a three-pointer in transition, that's just that's disheartening and It's tough to bounce back from. The Warriors do a good job of demoralizing their opponents. Even LeBron's body language is getting worse by the day. I mean, obviously, very, very disappointed in J.R. Smith back on Thursday. But even in this game, some of the calls that were made that he really didn't like, uh, just that, that look on his face is just, well, it's perfect, one, because he's known as a crybaby and and he's basically proving his detractors right i think that they're so misguided about you know how good lebron actually is at basketball and the type of person he is on and off the court but when he makes faces like that that face you know it's just it's not like you you never ever ever see no matter how badly a team is losing or winning you never see that face from the from from the warriors like uh no no warrior is ever going to make that face and so that definitely helps contribute to the ethos of lebron as a crybaby but i think that also the warriors are just excellent at demoralizing opponents and lebron is no exception to that the warriors are just that good stay tuned i'll catch you on the other side of the break Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. 
It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Cisco. Modern Modernization Today has the products you need to modernize your workplace, like Wi-Fi booster crystals. Let their metaphysical powers enhance connectivity and spiritually awaken your Internet of Things. At CDW, we get crystals won't modernize your network. You need Cisco Catalyst access points that are Wi-Fi 6 compatible and can help you improve reliability, increase capacity, and reduce latency. Cisco and IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com slash Cisco. We're back. I want to talk about hustle stats. I want to talk about Kevin Durant a little bit. Not a single box out to be found for the seven-foot scoring machine in game two couple of deflections four loose balls recovered more than anybody else on the team very good and he contested 10 shots but not a single box out to be found and I'm not understanding what exactly is contributing to that I mean I've looked at the film and it's hard to determine whether he's just getting out faster being the guy who receives the outlet pass but as he is a de facto center a lot of the time And even on free throws, you know, he didn't box anybody out on a free throw. Like, this is continuing the conversation that I've been having with Miles, with Steinmetz, and on my own about Kevin Durant and where the D has gone. Like, don't get me wrong. Kevin Durant had a really good game, very efficient, and he filled up the box score. He was also a game-high plus 24 in 38 minutes. He also had a defensive rating of 99 in this game. Very good. Second, third best on the team behind people who didn't play as many minutes. Sean Livingston and David West. And, like, maybe it's a matter of Draymond Green doing all of the dirty work so that KD can spring out, get the rebound, run down the court, do all that good stuff. Because Draymond is boxing mofos out. He's doing it a lot. He's deflecting balls, he's grabbing loose balls, he's contesting shots, and he's boxing people out. Kevin Durant is only doing some of those things, but he benefits, I think, from Draymond's presence on the court nearly as much as anybody else. And there was a good piece on The Ringer about Draymond Green and how important he is to the Golden State Warriors. It's stuff as fans we've all heard before, but this is for a national audience, and it's really cool that Draymond is being featured like this because he has been so important. He's a combined plus 30 in the first two games, and he's a coach on the court. The article written by Paolo Getty goes into Green's impact on and off the court saying Green is both the Warriors' source of energy and their best player at harnessing that energy into effective play. The player with such brash confidence and unvarnished willingness to yell at teammates is typically the team's alpha dog, the Kobe archetype who takes the final shot in a close game and has his name announced last in pregame introductions. Green breaks that notion, and given how impactful his defense is, he's allowed to yell whenever he wants. 
It's a nice little piece because Draymond has quietly and, of course, loudly been such an important player for the Warriors, not just in these finals, but throughout the entire playoffs. I've gone into it. His impact on the floor is so, so tangible. And it's not just, you know, the box outs. It's not just the blocked shots and the defense. It's also how he motivates other warriors definitely go check out the piece there's a ton about how green interacts with other warriors on the court off the court during the game and it's very interesting i want to switch gears to the cavaliers now because you know there is another team playing in this finals and talk about kevin love a little bit kevin love put up 18 shots making seven he was three of eight from three had 10 rebounds and was effective A minus 12, which is, you know, par for the course in the game that the Cavaliers lost by 19. But I I think if the Cavaliers are going to have a chance to win any game, Kevin Love has to go out and put up more than 22 points. He's got to go out and be a better, uh, more efficient scorer. 7 of 18 just isn't going to cut it. Though I like that he put up 18 shots. I like that George Hill put up 12 shots. Uh, And what I want to see, because you can't rely on these other guys. You can't rely on J.R. Smith, two of nine. He might have a big game in Cleveland. He might not. Jeff Green has been up and down, two of seven in game, uh, game two. And Kyle Korver, once again, only put up three shots. In 17 minutes, how are you only going to put up three shots? The Warriors' defense on shooters has been great the first two games. In game two, the Cavaliers only made a third of their three-point shots. It's not like they went 0 of 27, but also the Warriors are playing much better defense on the three-point line than they were in that game against the Houston Rockets. Their most prolific three-point shooters were Kevin Love and George Hill making three apiece. Uh, And George Hill was good, three of six. Kevin Love, three of eight. The Cavaliers have shown that they can outshoot teams when they're backed into a wall or when they're very, very inspired. If being down 2-0 in the finals and heading home to Cleveland isn't inspiring, I don't know what is. You know LeBron is going to come out and be very good. You can almost pencil in 40 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists from that guy. But who else is going to step up? And how is... Teron Lu going to stagger his minutes. He said Rodney Hood would have a chance. I know I keep bringing up Rodney Hood, but it's because I think that he can offer something. In four minutes in garbage time in game two, though, he was only one of two and missed his only three-pointer. But the guy can score and he's long. I watched him in Utah. He was never my favorite player, but he always seemed to be uh, aggressive, which I really like, especially offensively. And he's not afraid to take big shots. I mean, who is really, you grow up counting down on the shot clock in your backyard, five, four, three, two, putting up the big shot. Uh, So, you know, I don't really know too many people who would be terrified of taking that big shot. But there is no shortage of confidence in Rodney Hood's game or his mind. And I just think that against this Warriors team, he might be able to do something. Think of a lineup of Rodney Hood with Corver, Jeff Green, Kevin Love, and LeBron James. Now, it's huge. LeBron James paying, playing the point. Three-point shooters all around him. Green, Hood, Corver, Kevin Love. That's scary. Like, I think that is one of the 
best lineups that the Cavs can put out there, honestly. Uh, but it depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for shooting, yeah. If you're looking for defense, not quite as much. You got to play Larry Nance. You got to play Tristan Thompson. Um, and then J.R. Smith could be out there as well. But if you're just wanting to surround LeBron with shooters and shooters you might be able to rely on who also can play a little bit of defense. I mean, J.R. Smith has been dismal defensively and pretty bad offensively. So, you know, I don't think Teron Lue has anything to lose by playing, a, you know, playing the adjustments game. I don't I don't understand uh, why there are certain players uh, in particular in particular hood who just have not gotten any minutes, especially when Jordan Clarkson is getting so many minutes. Jordan Clarkson is I, you know. All right. We have to take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. Making you old-fashioned today with Wild Turkey Bourbon 101. It just really stands up very well in a classic cocktail like the old-fashioned. It has that perfect boldness. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. We're back. A little bit of news and notes. Steph is now favored to win finals MVP after leading the Warriors in scoring in the first two games and filling up the stat sheet. He's averaging 31 and a half points per game over these first two games, doing his part to get the Warriors two big W's. And KD only took 14 shots in the last game. To Steph's 26. Yeah, 26. I don't think that's the way it needs to be every day, every game. Obviously, Kevin Durant is one of the most prolific and efficient scorers we've ever seen. Klay Thompson also only took 13 shots, but eight of them were three-pointers. He made three of them, and he had 20 points and was fairly excellent uh, all over the court. I thought that his game was fantastic, and he shot 62% from the field, which is pretty epic. There are most likely going to be games in this final where Kevin Durant uh, outshoots Stephen Curry in terms of volume, not necessarily scoring the ball. We'll see. Kevin Durant is a very, very good basketball player and averaged, what, 33 points a game in last year's finals on on his way to finals MVP. So we know what he can do. We know how good he is. We know that the Warriors hacked the NBA by adding Kevin Durant but with LeBron doing what he's doing, being the best player on the court, as Matt Steinmetz said in the first two games, I'm sure there are voters out there who would consider voting for LeBron, just like back in 2015. They basically gave Andre Iguodala the award, not just because he came in and changed the series with the death lineup, the introduction of the death lineup, very uh, integral moment in the history of this Warriors budding dynasty. But it was also because he was guarding LeBron James and LeBron James was a machine, a monster, a crazy person. Nearly averaged a triple-double in that series. And so 
you got to give it to somebody on the winning team. There's precedent for giving it to somebody on the losing team. Jerry West did it back in 1969. I believe it was 1969. He lost to the Celtics that year. If I'm not mistaken, Bill Russell was player coach of the Celtics at that time, and it was his last championship with the team. But Jerry West was so good, they gave him the first ever finals MVP award. And since then, every single finals MVP award has gone to a member of the winning team. But my argument is this. If you're going to give it to Andre Iguodala because he guarded LeBron James, why not give it to the player who played the best on the winning team, which that year was Stephen Curry. And I'm not here to rehash uh, that decision. Andre, of course, an incredibly deserving recipient of the award. And as I mentioned, did change the series. But Stephen Curry played all six games, started all six games, and led the team in scoring. And that's what we're going to see this year, I think, except that Steph is better than he was in 2015. He's right smack dab in the middle of his prime. We know what he can do on the court. He's shown us the magic is so palpable. He's ignited Oracle Arena, and now we get to see him in his element, hoping to quiet the crowd at the queue. He loves to do that, potentially even more than he loves to ignite Oracle. I think that there's something in Curry's character that uh, is, is he's a shark, you know, and, and he strikes uh, when you, not when you least expect it, but he loves the element of just like, once again, demoralizing the other team and the other team's fans. So I'm with the odds makers on this one. I think Steph's going to win his first finals MVP and it will be well-deserved. Knock on wood, we still got to win the series. But I want to get to Sean Livingston, who's perfect from the field in two games in the finals. And how important has he been? In just short minutes, 15 minutes and 18 seconds in game two, he provided 10 points, five rebounds, and an assist. In addition... In his minutes, he posted an 89.5 defensive rating and a 129.1 offensive rating. That's a net rating of nearly 40, highest on the team in game two. That's being offensively perfect and playing very sound defense alongside other players who are gifted offensively and playing very sound defense. A net rating of 40, though, even in 15 minutes, is insane to me. Sean Livingston just doing everything he needs to do to help the Warriors get to the promised land. As far as role players are concerned, I also want to talk about JaVale McGee. Played 18 minutes, started the game, contested seven shots, and boxed out eight times in 18 minutes. That's, that's, um, that's some good work in short minutes. And he also had two screen assists, getting much better as a screener since he got to Golden State. And he was rewarded. He was 6-6 six six from the field getting assisted by different Warriors, and that's why he's out there. He's out there to roll to the basket, get easy buckets, play good defense, be large, grab rebounds, screen well. He contested two three-point shots while he was out there, once again, short minutes, and the, the Cavaliers are hunting for their preferred matchups. Earlier, it was Kevon Looney, still Stephen Curry, and now a little bit of JaVale McGee. They're hunting. And JaVale has held his own, and that is something that I really appreciate. Real quick, Nick Young, 
0 of 5, 0 of 4 from 3. Going to have to see some more from Nick Young, especially if he's going to be continuing to play the minutes that he's playing. You know, I'd rather see, you know, maybe Quinn Cook out there, even though you get small when you put Cook out there with Curry. And Nick Young is a bigger guy, 6'7", 210. But you got to see shot makers make shots, and he's just not making them right now. That's about as much time as I have for today. Tune in tomorrow. I'll preview the game. Later this week, I hope to have Bonte Hill from 95.7 The Game on the show, so stay tuned for that as well, and stay thoughtful, Hoops Heads. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.